The Athletic. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Eintracht Frankfurt take a stand and beat league leaders Bayern Munich not once but twice to stake their claim on the Champions League places. RB Leipzig win at Hertha to give us a genuine title race? Borussia Dortmund have a good week thanks to blonde on yellow sensation Erling Haaland, while Borussia Mönchengladbach are battling fake social media rumours and the fallout from Marco Rose's defection. All of this and more in Stahlkast. Hello dear listener and hello to you Christoph Biermann, our regular Berlin-based guru. Before we start though, don't forget that you can sign up to The Athletic for 50% off at the moment, which works out at less than £1 per week. Go to theathletic.com slash StarcastPod to take advantage of that wonderful offer. Christoph, uh, where should we start? A lot of things happening. Big games, big results, not least at the very top of the table, where perhaps we now have a title race. In Spain, they say High Liga. We should say what? It's spring in Germany. Uh, the yeah. snow is gone. The sun came out. It's warm. Uh, everybody is more optimistic, uh, at least for a moment. And uh, I think uh, the Bundesliga has been inspired by this because we it suspends not only at the top end of the table, but also at the bottom end. Kicker had that line, thanks to Leipzig, the excitement is back in the league. Now, for you, is it easy to say thank you, Leipzig, for bringing back that excitement? Or should we Are say... You okay with that? Or we should say thank you, Frankfurt, um, yes, because it, it it needed somebody to defeat Bayern, and and they did it. They did it, and they did it in style. Certainly in the first half, Bayern just not turning up. One of those games where kind of know it's going to be difficult, but they still don't seem to be quite ready. A very bobbly pitch. A team, a Frankfurt team that was very aggressive that disrupted their passing game really well, that took their chances with beautiful goals, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. And then the onslaught in the second half and Bayern just falling a little bit short. And here we are with Frankfurt being firmly ensconced in the top four. How big was this win for Frankfurt, first of all? The last time they beat Bayern 5-1, it had huge ramifications. <laughs> the last time Bayern went to Frankfurt, uh, they were beaten as well, 5-1. That had huge ramifications for Hansi Flick because he was promoted when Niko Kovac was sacked a couple of days later. I don't think the fallout for Bayern would be as big, but for Frankfurt, if anything, this could be more meaningful because this is the result that really sets them up with a genuine, genuine chance to finish top four. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, they they played some terrific football. You already said it, especially in the first half. And and you, you could see how much the Frankfurt team has developed uh, over the season. I mean, we have, we have praising them for being muscular, 
uh, playing very aggressive football. But on the other hand side, um, they are also um, able to play some very entertaining, very offensive, very uh, skillful football. And I think the the player um, uh, to name here, especially after his uh, performance on, on uh, Saturday, is Armin Younes, who is... An old-fashioned dribbler. I mean, he is in a way. It's he is a player you uh, you rarely see these days. Really, somebody who is, is um, um, uh, able to to dribble around a lot of players. I mean, that's uh, with with the football we're playing today. You um, this uh, that the this kind of player has almost been extinct uh, in a way. Uh, especially in the Bundesliga, and uh, and yes, he he was very good, and he he scored a fantastic uh, uh, second goal for Frankfurt. The goal was fantastic. Um, I might even go as far as calling him a fumbler. Um, <laughs> the, uh, But how do you translate that into? It's impossible. It is it is a dribbler. It's somebody who loves to hug the ball and touches it a lot and caresses the ball a lot. The goal was was remarkable, not just because of its beauty. Um, Manu Neuer just looking at that, even, I think, in admiration. But also for the celebration. Uh, you wrote about this in El Freunde yesterday. I mean, Yunus held up a shirt with the face and name of Fatih Saracholu, who was one of the nine victims in a racist attack, terrorist attack, just over a year ago in Hanau, which is just outside Frankfurt. And there was a commemorative event, a campaign, you might even say, um, which was called uh, Say Their Names to remind people of the, first of all, of the attack itself, because it's been kind of forgotten in in some parts, but also about the uh, the victims of this the shooting. And you felt, Christoph, that in a way, this gesture and Frankfurt's attitude on the whole as a club beat Bayern not just on the pitch but also off it. Can you perhaps explain what you meant by that? There are two things uh, that impressed me at that very moment because I mean, Yunus. I mean, you you score a goal against Bayern. You st score a fantastic, beautiful goal. You, uh, your team is two 0 up, and the first uh, uh, thing you think about is to. Uh, to to run uh, towards the sideline and grab this shirt and hold it up, and I think I I found that very moving, and I I I, I think a lot of people felt the same. The second thing about it um, that is important is um, that it is part of the Eintracht Frankfurt culture or approach to football i mean for a long time now i i would say almost over 30 years eintracht frankfurt has been tackling racism as a club but also it, it's not only top down uh, it's it's also bottom up from the supporters who were uh, in the beginning had to push the the club in, in this direction and so there is a an atmosphere uh, where a player feels that he can 
express in a way as Armin Yunus did. And um, yeah, that that was 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 a very, very strong point. Um, uh, Frankfurt as a whole was making uh, the club, the supporters, the players, the city. And on the other hand, on the other side, um, uh, on the on the evening, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge was um, was in the uh, uh, ZDF, that's a, a big public uh, TV station, in the Aktuelle Sportstudio. That is a very popular uh, show. He was invited for an interview, and. Uh, I don't know what your feelings were, were uh, about it uh, were like, but when, when he was asked about the morality of Bayern Munich uh, with their connection to Qatar, Qatar Airways is one of their sponsors, they go there for training camps and so on, he was so uh, unconvinced. Invasive. Evasive, yes, and and also uh, concerning uh, other things that were discussed there, that um, uh, clubs are flying around Europe in in the middle of the uh, pandemia, um, uh, playing. I mean, we had uh, RB Leipzig playing uh, Liverpool in Budapest and uh, uh, Hoffenheim playing uh, Molde in Villarreal and, and so on. And, and it's so absurd. And um, I mean, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge is one of the big voices of European football and he was more or less hiding behind UEFA. And that was so disappointing. And so I tried to make my point that uh, also outside the pitch, um, uh, Bayern was defeated by uh, Eintracht Frankfurt because um, they are they seem to be much clearer. To, they have a much better moral compass. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I agree with you. It was fairly excruciating watching watching Karls Rummenigge um, squirm under the, the questioning of uh, Jochen Breyer, the the anchor, the host of the show. I think the problem for him is that the truth is something that people probably wouldn't accept. I mean, the truth is that Bayern do these things for money. <laughs> and and German, or sorry, European football is, you know, finding different arrangement, arrangements with different cities and all the things you mentioned because those games have to be staged for money because they cannot afford losing the income from the Champions League or even from the Europa League. Would it have been more honest to say it that way? Yes. But the question I wonder is what would have been the fallout? Would people would have just said, okay, fine. Yeah, I understand. Or would they have just said, oh, this is typical football greed. It's a really difficult situation. I think, I mean, in my view, we should distinguish between having a sponsorship with Qatar, which Bayern, I think, feel that they need the money, but in reality could probably do without, or having to find some way to stage these games because not staging them would just be a huge headache and a huge loss of financial income. I think I can definitely excuse the second and see the necessity. The first one is voluntary. The first one is Bayern's decision. Then again, Bayern's argument, and I think Karl Schwimmenegger made it very clumsily, is to say, why does football always have to be whiter than white? Why is it okay for Qatar to have a stake in in Volkswagen, in Deutsche Bank, in, in industry around the world, but we as Bayern have to say no when they will then sponsor our rivals? It's really 
really, really difficult, I think. Am I um, being too nice? A bit too nice, probably. <laughs> um, I, I, I think yeah, the too, dile- too the, understanding. The, the the dilemma is, uh, yeah, it, it's obvious. And uh, uh, my impression was that Karl-Heinz Rubenigge was not thinking about it enough. I mean, finding arguments bef- uh, how how to tell it to people and convince them that they are a business, yes, and they need to protect their business and so on, and and to protect uh, their jobs and uh, not only of the players, but of of the employees or uh, of the uh, club. I don't know. Bayern Bayern has several hundred uh, people working for them and and so on, that you you have to go on. And I I think a lot of people would... Uh, would buy it. A lot of people would be um, uh, w- would be angry if if they would hear it. Yeah, but but yes, and um, but uh, the 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 point is, uh, football, especially in Germany, is uh, often saying uh, that they do something that has a value for the society that brings people together, and so on and so on, and and. If you do that and say, oh, we are not, not, not just a, a company who does whatever is, is possible under uh, legal circumstances, you have to ask yourself uh, what, what, you, what you can do to, to uh, what, what kind of moral orientation uh, you have. Because I think, um, and that is changing, uh, people who are interested in, in, in football are also uh, asking for it at first, yes, everybody wants their um, their teams to win, but they also want to see um, their clubs having a moral standpoint at, at the same time. I, I, I that at least is my impression. We have a lot of corporal social responsibility uh, departments in, in in football clubs now, and. Um, and that is a reaction uh, toward this trend. Uh, but I think people, football fans, members of the clubs, uh, w- want it to be serious, sincere, that that you can trust it, that it is honest. And you could see it, um, and that they're becoming back to Frankfurt and Bayern, you can see it with Frankfurt, it's honest, what they are saying. It's not a PR stunt, uh, it's it's because they they believe in what they are doing and and Bayern yes uh, we have uh, described their dealing of it I think coming to think of it you know Bayern Bayern's more standpoint often is what's good for us is the only thing that matters <laughs> I think people would perhaps almost be more forgiving and understanding if they were to say that of course maybe not as drastically but if that was the underlying message that they will be if you will fairly ruthless within certain parameters to do what's right for Bayern and then maybe they could say okay that money then helps us to do other positive things etc but as you said they didn't do that and Karl was just kind of fishing around for very spurious arguments and hiding behind UEFA and hiding behind um, Angela Merkel who had a talk <laughs> about Qatar investment it was all very sort of obscure and and very unconvincing and made made things worse than than perhaps they they should have been uh, but back back on the football uh, no, no. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah. Um, I'd like something more optimistic to add on Bayern. I, I remember a talk uh, that I had 
uh, I would say one and a half years ago with Oliver Kahn. And he will be the man from the beginning of next year on at, at Bayern. And my, my impression is that he is much more aware of these problems and these points that uh, Bayern needs to address and needs to make than uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and the generation of the Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. I mean, Uli Hoeneß is also so part of it. Uh, I was surprised to hear that he had... Uh, for example, he, uh, Oliver Kahn, had read some uh, fairly critical books on on the uh, on the football business. I mean, I, I don't want to to say that um, Oliver Kahn will be uh, turn uh, Bayern into uh, a Bavarian a, a Bavarian San Pauli or so, but <laughs> uh, uh, but I think we we will see a. Uh, a change when, when he is taking over, it, or at least that's my assumption. Mm, okay, well, that would be interesting. Oliver Kahn's scheduled to take over from Kahn's Rummenigge at the end of the year, the beginning of the next one, so not, not that long to... This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Go. But to stick with the optimism, I mean, is this a case, Bayern on the pitch, of, you know, Bayern just not being quite switched on and there's nothing really wrong with their football, but they just turned up, didn't quite turn up, paid the price for it, and know, okay, we have to be much more solid we can't play Mark Rocker in the Bundesliga against teams like that. He's too, how shall I say, he's too ethereal almost, too, he's too nice on the ball, not enough muscle, not enough understanding of, of winning the ball back and all the kind of things that Leon Goretzka brought immediately when he came back on and added quite, literal, uh, quite literally a lot of muscle to, to Bayern's <laughs> game. I think what I'm trying to ask you, Christoph, is, is this basically one of the, those defeats that still leaves us with business as usual for Bayern? Or did Frankfurt expose something that we didn't know before and should us should have us worried at least those who, who want Bayern to win again everything as they usually do? For me, it was um, very much business as usual. Um, I mean, the, the usual business of Bayern is, is uh, for example, is going uh, one nil down, or in this case, two nil down. I think it was the 12th time in 22. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy numbers. And they they came back very often. Yeah, what you can see, I'm, I'm, it, it's there are a lot of players missing with injuries or with, uh, with uh, hit by the coronavirus. And, and they look tired. They have many games. They have been to Qatar and so on and so on. And... Um, so, um, yeah, business as usual. And uh, I, I think till the end, it will, will be a season where they have to muddle through. And uh, let's see, I think eventually the, there will be a German champion. But um, at least now there is a, a chance that uh, especially Leipzig is, um, yeah, maybe taking the chance. Yeah, there is a chance that Leipzig might be taking that chance. They're only two points adrift of Bayern after a 3-0 win at Hertha on Sunday. Leipzig and Bayern still to play that second game between themselves in, in about five weeks' time. The first game, you might remember, dear listener, finished 3-3 and was um, a real spectacle. 
some some great football, not a lot of great defending, but hugely entertaining. And it could well be a shootout for the championship. Before we go to Leipzig, one more on Bayern, Christoph. With the Lazio game coming up this week, and with once again the sense or the the over the overwhelming sense of this game being that maybe those new players that have been bought are not quite Bayern level. I'm thinking of Mark Rock, I'm thinking of uh, Eric Maxim Chupumoting. Are Bayern equipped to go all the way in the Champions League again? Or are there problems in the league, not just the effect of some mental issues and focus, etc., but also some diminished potential and diminished performances that we're seeing, which will then be punished even more severely in Europe? It very much depends who, who will, uh, uh, they will meet in the uh, coming rounds of the, of the Champions League. So if we assume that they pass by uh, Lazio, so for example, uh, if, if they would meet Manchester City, I would see them now as a, as a big outsider, for example. I think it would also be difficult against Real Madrid. And uh, so if you compare them to the Bayern of last season, um, where you had the feeling that they actually can beat everybody that is still in the Champions League, uh, that looks different now. Now, let's go to Leipzig. 3-0 at Hertha. Almost to be expected, I think. I mean, Leipzig don't score that many goals. They often struggle because they don't have a center forward in, in real form as such, or not necessarily. Um, of the quality of the teams around them. But they made pretty light work of, of Hertha, especially after Marcel Sabitz had scored one of those goals that you also don't see anymore because <laughs> of the very low XG value. <laughs> A shot from, what was it, 35 meters that went up, 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 and then just fell down into the net with absolutely no chance of it being saved. The, the win of a champion team or the loss of a relegation team <laughs> or, or maybe both uh, no I, I think it was more the win of a champion team um, because I, I I was actually um, um, I, I, I found the performance of Hertha actually pretty okay if, if you look at their situation so they conceded three goals and that was at least one too much maybe even two uh, so the game was uh, much narrower uh, when you were looking what was going on the, on the pitch they had to also create it a, a bit so I, I found it was a good performance uh, by Hertha but, but Leipzig was cool uh, taking their chances and uh, driving home with the, with the win and three points and three goals so yeah more it looked more like a, a real top, they, they looked like a real top team. Mm -hmm. And what about Hertha then? Hertha are in trouble, I think. Um, Carsten Schmidt, the CEO, saying that there's absolutely no way they will go down. They will stay up either because they finish 15th or at the worst because they will get through the relegation playoff in 16th. For right now, they are 15th, just one point ahead of Mainz in 17th. Hertha, is there a chance that even though Paul Dada is is known for steadying the ship and being pragmatic and being defensively solid, 
they actually will go down, Christoph. And what will happen then? <laughs> I, I, um, there is a chance uh, that they go down, but I think it's not a big chance because uh, if you look at the other teams in, in this area um, of the table, to me, they are by far the best. And um, and also my, my impression is that Paul Dardai has already studied the ship. Um, I also found surprisingly uh, the performance of um, Sami Khedira uh, su surprisingly very good. So he was, I mean, he has been playing for such a long time and uh, uh, you could see that he gave the team uh, a lot of stability and you could see, and that was interesting when he, he had to leave after 70 minutes because he was tired and uh, Uh, after such a long uh, a break, that Hatta lost some of the stability he was giving them. So, um, but but yeah, there is a chance that they go down. But I I find it very unlikely. But they have a they have different weeks to come. They play a lot against uh, uh, top teams, and then in between they have a, a, a then very very difficult match uh, at home to Augsburg. So yeah, they, it it will be tough week f uh, for them, and I think it um, will go uh, to the end of the season. Um, uh, their fight against relegation. No, I must say I'm far less optimistic than you are. I get the sense that Mainz are coming back very very strong, and even Bielefeld seem to be. You know, getting results here and there, a draw, the odd win. Um, Hertha seemed to be, I don't know, not perhaps mentally equipped to deal with this relegation battle. But mine certainly look very ready. Uh, Bo Svensson has come in. We talked about them and, and him uh, a couple of weeks ago where you made a point of talking about Mainz. And Christoph, as ever, you had a point and you were right because we should really respect the way that they have improved on the new management. They had another fantastic win, 2-1 away to Gladbach. Um, also some very good goals being scored, especially the opening from uh, Karin Onisiwo. And they look they look much happier as a team, which is probably the opposite of, of Gladbach, because <laughs> Gladbach just cannot get a win at the moment. They're in eighth. Um, they've got some really big games coming up. You've got Manchester City in the Champions League, then Leipzig in the league, then Borussia Dortmund in the cup. And of course, that is not just Borussia, Borussia, we're already laughing, but it's also Marco Rose's team against Marco Rose's next team and all the complications that will come with that. I thought the interesting thing, Christoph, and correct me if I'm wrong, was probably off the pitch, was probably the way how Max Eberl and Gladbach and Rosa to an extent dealt with this. And in an unusual way, I thought, because everyone said, yes, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Uh, Max Eberl said it was his <laughs> fault that there was a 5 million release clause in the contract. Um, he did add that otherwise Rosa would have probably not signed for, for Gladbach in the first place. You know, Rosa felt culpable for the team's performance. And it was a whole sort of very concerted effort to explain things to the fans who are quite irate in Gladbach and to try to sort of change the emotional atmosphere at the club. Now, I think we had the conversation last week and you said it'd be a bigger problem for Dortmund than Gladbach. Do you have to revise your opinion after this? Or is Max Eberl able, do you think, to channel this debate and these feelings 
into a more yeah conducive atmosphere that takes away some of that tension that seems to exist at the moment. Sorry, that was a long-winded question, but, you know, <laughs> lots of layers, lots of layers here. Yeah, I start with a funny story. This week I, I received uh, an audio file, and I think a lot of people within uh, German football have received it, where somebody, nobody knew uh, who it was, was giving inside information about that there was a fallout between the team and uh, Marco Rose because the players were angry about uh, his departure, asking uh, Max Eber to leave, that there was an emergency meeting of the Borussia Mönchengladbach board, And um, it sounded very convincingly. And I even uh, rang up uh, Christoph Kramer, who is the uh, a columnist for El Freunde magazine, and asked him about it. And he was he was telling me that he also got the um, uh, this audio file. So it, it it was kind of around, and already twenty people had rang him up and asked him, and and it sounded so convincing that he asked his teammates what happened, although. He, he was in the middle of it and he could say, no, no, I, I didn't have a fallout with the, uh, with Marco Rose. I, I didn't have a, uh, th th there wasn't a fight between us and, and so on. And after the, the day after, there was a, a press conference by Max Ebel and that was a kind of reaction to it and where he protected, uh, Marco Rose fiercely. And uh, and he can do so, and he can he can also blame himself because his standing among Borussia Mönchengladbach supporters. I mean, you it can't be better. Uh, it's I mean they adore him because he he has changed uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach to the good in in the last ten years or so. Uh, he has done a, a a fantastic job, but that's says how much tension there is at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach and still the supporters are really, really angry uh, uh, about uh, Rose's departure and they are very aggressive towards him. And so, yeah, maybe I, 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 I was partly wrong uh, with the, the um, that Borussia Mönchengladbach might Get, have smaller problems, but in the end, my impression is that um, Ebel will be strong enough uh, to to stabilize the situation if um, if the player play better. I mean, uh, that would be important, and I think it's um, and they will ask about it uh, if uh, they had the impression that the defeat of uh, against Mainz had to do what with what happened during the week and, and uh, they were denying it. But yeah, if, if there is so much going on at your club, um, maybe it's, it's difficult to 100% focus on a, on a game and that uh, might be part of the reason for the results. So yeah, you're right, a lot of layers. <laughs> if we take away the, the rules <coughs> issue, what do you think Gladbach's problem on the pitch is? I think we, we look at them and maybe say, okay, they're just tired. But that, you know, is, is an explanation that should be true of mo many teams. Is it because of the Champions League? They find it too difficult. But something is just not happening for them. And they just look like a team that's really, really struggling 
to score goals and really struggling to defend. Kind of the basics seems to have seem to have been lost somewhere. Yeah, but it's a it's it's a team that is probably not well equipped for the for the Champions League. No, not not well equipped for the extra work uh, that uh, the Champions League brings with it. You need to have a very deep squad if you want to play in a Champions League for a long time, and probably. Borussia Mönchengladbach does not uh, does not have it, and um, Marco Rose has been criticised for his rotation, for for example, and um, and 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 he needs to rotate, but but if he does, um, uh, and the uh, match against Cologne that they lost at home and that started a lot of anger um, is a perfect example. Um, it, it doesn't doesn't work out perfectly work out so and and we see that very often i mean Borussia Mönchengladbach is not a a champions league club and with a champions league club i mean a club that is playing in the champions league on a regular basis so everybody is used to it or the players are used to it the organization is is used to it the the squad is big enough and and i think they are paying the price for it uh, to an extent here it'd be interesting to see where they finish because if they miss out on european football altogether next season i think that would undermine some of the progress that max Eberl and Gladbach have made in recent <coughs> years and maybe have a negative effect on their ability to attract and keep some of the existing talent of which of course they have they have many i think we have to talk a little bit christoph before we go about two more um, games one is briefly wolfsburg winning 3-0 at Bielefeld, which I think we sort of almost shrug off these days because Wolfsburg win games and they don't concede goals. That's what they do. And that's why they're third. <laughs> is this a case of a team that is sort of just more competent in a league that seems to have kind of lost some of those, you know, in, in, inherent qualities and balance that you'd otherwise perhaps have a bit more of in a normal season? Are Wolfsburg sort of just able to... to deal with the chaos and the tiredness and all these things better because they're not involved in Europe of course they've they lost the qualifying game late on against AK Athens is is that basically the explanation or is there something a little bit deeper more profound going on if you mentioned the 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 game against Athens maybe it was the most important game of the season for Wolfsburg because they didn't qualify for 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 Europe and um, I, I think at the beginning um, it was a huge disappointment. But now I, I would guess everybody is perfectly happy that they don't have to play the Europa League on Thursdays and uh, fly around uh, Europe and use their squad. I think that was built to play in the Europa League uh, for for the Bundesliga without any any distraction. Uh, and and it gives the the coach more time to work on um, on tactics and um, uh, if you look at Wolfsburg they are perfectly well organized on, on the pitch against the ball have a lot of solutions with the ball um, have good players that have developed uh, during the season so um, yeah I don't see any uh, chance that they will, will leave this way they look very much like uh, one of the four teams uh, that will qualify for the Champions League. Well, and if 
Wolfsburg are one of the four teams qualifying for the Champions League. And we assume that Leipzig and Bayern will be the others. We'll have a lot of big teams missing out. And Leverkusen lost ground once more. Only a 1-1 draw against Augsburg. Their form has been absolutely terrible of late. And you wonder, are we already in Peter Bosch? Is he the right man territory? But perhaps more of that next week. Because Dortmund Schalke um, is the one we have to go to before before we go. Dortmund looking a little bit happier after that win, and especially, I guess, after that win in Seville in midweek, which was the kind of game, the kind of performance where Dortmund did something that we've been waiting for, crying out for, for so many weeks, <laughs> which is just, just turn up and play football like a proper team does. Yes, they conceded a couple of goals at the end, but this was a proper performance. And I guess Schalke was a little bit easier and not quite the same caliber, but a, a great week for them. Great week for Eden Terzic, a great week for Erling Haaland, whose genius, I think, is being increasingly recognized beyond German shores. So Dortmund with six points to make up behind Frankfurt and Wolfsburg. Will they have enough to, to make it, you think? Uh, it, it will be still be difficult, um, but maybe um, uh, this uh, match at Seville will, could be the uh, turning point of the season because, um, as you said, they um, played their decent football. And, and, and with decent football, I mean they were compact, well-organized, very good playing against the, the ball. So everything we've been, been asking for and uh, uh, something they've been losing completely, for example, the week before against Hoffenheim. And uh, so you, you almost had the impression that they found the idea who, who they could be. And, and then the game at uh, Gelsenkirchen was only a kind of spin-off because the opponent was too weak, and but, but they played well. And Haaland scored a Slatan-like goal, fantastic, uh, fantastic goal uh, lying in the air this huge man like a feather <laughs> and uh, scoring scoring the second goal for for Borussia Dortmund so but but still um i mean we it's it's it has been so much up and down uh, during this season i mean how often have we said ah yes now they found it and uh, now they know how to do it and two weeks later we was we were talking about the exact opposite because they had lost it again so it could be but i actually I don't trust them. And I think you're right to not trust them because we've been burned before, Christoph, both from you <laughs> yeah. and me. So we have to be careful. Once bitten, twice shy, as they say. And this is this is a case of being bitten many, many times. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, this is a turn for the better for Dortmund because to see them play when they do play is just one of the best sides of the Bundesliga. We need Dortmund to play as well as they do because without them, there's a huge chunk missing okay on that very positive note hopefully with spring in the air as you say Christoph we'll leave you dear listener and uh, do come back to us next week when we'll bring you all the latest comings and goings and toings and froings from the Bundesliga until such time take care of yourself bye bye The Athletic <laughs>